Welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. We help you build your events empire by growing your business around live events. Whether you're running small meetups or conferences, trade shows, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. This podcast is sponsored by EventsFrame. Check it out over at eventsframe.com. Make the switch from Eventbrite today to our amazing ticketing and registration system with no ticket fees. It integrates with all the major payment gateways such as Stripe, PayPal, and Braintree. And we also have the best email integrations out there, including MailChimp, Zapier, Infusionsoft, Aweber, Drip, and many, many more. You can use our versatile website builder or embed tickets directly in your own site. We've got thousands of live events on EventsFrame, ranging from small community meetups to large trade shows and conferences. EventsFrame is especially good for anyone wanting to run multiple events, as you can host an an unlimited number of events on your EventsFrame account. Most ticketing systems charge you a minimum of 3% of the ticket price, but we just have a flat low fee with no ticket fees and no restrictions. There's genuinely no system out there that is cheaper than EventsFrame. So head on over to eventsframe.com for a free one-month trial. And we also have a special offer just for podcast listeners. Email me at dan at eventsframe.com, D-A-N at eventsframe.com with the subject line podcast, and I'll send you a special discount code. So that's all. Let's get on to the interview. Hi, and welcome to the events podcast. It's a huge, huge pleasure for me today to have on James Shramko. I'm a huge fan of his stuff. If you spend any time on the online business world, you've probably come across him. He's the author of a book called Work Less, Make More. I just listened to the audiobook and I, I highly recommend it. He owns the Superfast business. It's a membership community for people who run, uh, well, all kinds of online businesses. He's pretty much everywhere in terms of podcasting. Um, he's built and sold some web design businesses and maybe even more businesses that I don't know about. He's an expert in remote teams, an expert in sales. Uh, and he's a fellow surfer as well. We haven't talked about it yet, but a huge welcome, uh, James. Uh, thanks. Are you getting waves over there? No, no. Everybody says that. It's <laughs> funny, you know. I mean, I just mentioned before we talk, um, I'm, I'm originally a snowboarder, you know, so we, we've actually got a place in Austria. I'm actually going there on Saturday, so I spend like half the winter skiing and snowboarding. Surfing, you know, it's interesting. I've, I, I try to go surfing every year for a couple of months. I, I, I started surfing in Scotland, believe it or not. It was actually quite good swells. And then I did my year out to Australia. And actually, I think you're from Manly. I actually started surfing in Manly in the Northern Beaches. So I've, I've kept it going. You know, I'm not a great surfer. I generally longboard, but I, I surf every year for like a month if I can. Oh, that's amazing. I know there's some pretty heavy waves over on the, where you were surfing before. And it'd be freezing cold. I couldn't <sighs> imagine it's like that's like you wear a five five four with a, with a head, you know, with the head and the gloves and the boots, even in the summer. I, I could hardly get a 4-3 on when I went to New Zealand. It's too thick. Uh, it's, I like snowboarding, but um, you get to stand up for a long time. It hurts a lot more when you fall off. Exactly right. I think, you know, we, we've had amazing snow this winter. I don't know you may have seen on the news. It's been crazy snowstorms across Europe. And when you, I mean, snowboarding and powder is, is just like surfing. You know, it, it's really, really comparable. Amazing. James, huge thank you again. Um, it'd be great. I mean, I think a lot of people know who you are, but for those who don't, is it possible just to get a quick introduction of, of how you started your, your entrepreneurial career? And then we can talk a bit about how you ran events to, to support that. Well, entrepreneurial career probably started fairly young. I bought my first car when I was 12 in a three-way partnership, which we <laughs> sold many years later. <laughs> well, uh, but in terms of business, 
you know, I went from school into accounting study and then uh, didn't quite finish that, ended up in debt collection and then uh, into a technology company and, and uh, from there into the automotive industry. And through that automotive industry journey, I went through sales roles, through to sales management and general management. And the last job that I ever had, I was um, I quit about uh, ten and a half years ago from the time of recording this, and I'd been working on the side for about two and a half years for my online business. So I really wanted to understand yep. how to build a website, and I got it to the point where I was starting to sell other people's software as an affiliate, and I made enough money to get close to quitting. And then the the last power move was approaching a few businesses and taking on their online marketing and they paid me a retainer and that topped me up to roughly equivalent to my salary and I pulled the ripcord and escaped. Ever since then, I've had a, uh, gee, I've had a membership site for coaching for 10 years. I've had my podcast for about 10 years. In the meantime, I've also built and sold a couple of service businesses and uh, these days I really enjoy coaching people at uh, an intermediate and a high level. So I have two separate groups for that. And I, of course, I published that book, Work Less, Make More, and the audible version of it. And I really like that process of capturing ideas and, and turning it into consumable entry-level products. What I like about you is like, you know, you're very, you're very, well, I like how open you are. Like you're very open about kind of the, you know, the, how, how hard you work and the money you're making, that kind of thing. I think what's, I, what is really interesting about you is, you know, you, you, you're very organized. You don't work that many days a week, but you produce like an insane amount of content. Like you're everywhere in terms of content. And that's a real skill, I think, to not work many hours and still make a lot of content as well. I mean, as that's just public content. You're obviously managing your communities and doing different things, managing your team in the Philippines. Yeah, I think it's like Doctor Who's TARDIS. Um, <laughs> it probably looks like I'm busy from the outside. I Often when I'm corresponding with people, they say, oh, look, I know you're busy and that sort of stuff. I, it's not so much the case. Usually it's that uh, my time is valuable and I just haven't allocated all of it every waking minute to being present on social media <laughs> to entertain yeah. myself. So, uh, yes, I do get a lot of content done for the public but when you break it down it actually doesn't sound like much like you might see a lot of videos and there's quite a few podcasts but ultimately I can record a podcast in 25 minutes maybe 40 minutes and I might do two or three a week at the moment so that's really not that much that's kind of an after lunch session or a couple of calls on a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday and the videos I usually keep them to one minute or two minutes so yep. I could actually make 10 videos in 20 or 30 minutes and that will last us for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, you were definitely instrumental in getting me into running a Philippines team. Also Chris Ducker, um, who I met, actually met the same time I met you really briefly in, in Bangkok. Yeah. It's, I think it's all, all, obviously it's all about having a process of people to edit, edit the content, put it online, create the promotional material, put it on Facebook, put it on all, all the social media. I think that's, that's the real key, isn't it? Well, if you've got that process going, uh, then you can create a huge amount. Yeah. To be very clear, I do nothing but the raw recording. And then after I hang up, it's all team. They are the real power stars in my business. It's, and that's where you get the time. Like if you don't want to spend the time, 
buy someone else's. Yeah. And if you can be doing high level activities, then it will actually create a profit for you. So that's how you increase your effective hourly rate is get rid of all the stuff. Now, I do see people, and certainly I did when I started out, doing every step of the process. Uh, and that's when you don't have money, so you have to invest the time. Sure. As soon as you find an offer that works, in, in other words, something you can sell that people will pay you for, it's a good idea to start reinvesting some of that money back into the tasks that you used to do that you should no longer do so that you can leverage up the level of activity you're working on. Definitely. Well, look, um, obviously we want to talk a bit about events because that's, that's the podcast. So I'll just take you back when I actually met you because you probably <laughs> don't. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You probably don't remember because, you know, it's, it's always the case. You, you were the one speaking at the event. And, and when you're the one speaking at the event, as I know myself, everybody knows you, but, you know, and so everyone comes up to you. But I, I came up for a quick chat before you spoke. It was Chris Ducker was there and it was, it was by these kind of huge glass windows. And we'd all been out the night before. And I said, look, are you okay to present? Like we all, we all had a few beers last night and you were like, mate, I can present anywhere, anytime. You could hang me out of this window right now. I'd cut a hole through the glass and I'd give my presentation through the hole. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's, um, what do they call that these days? Being authentic. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like if, if you know your material, if, and, and that's why I've deliberately chosen a format, especially podcasting, where I can just talk about what's happening. And you actually pointed out something really important before. The great majority of what I'm doing is behind closed doors. So my coaching behind the scenes, a lot of it's personal coaching. Yeah. And only the client is going to see what's happening. And I like to, you know, when you do see me publicly sharing something, it's based on this mountain of actual data and conversations that have already happening. So it is pretty easy to be put on the spot. And I should also, in fairness, point out that around about... Uh, the age of 19 or so, when I was quite underconfident, I, through some encouragement uh, from my mum, actually enrolled in an acting class. Wow. And I did that for a couple of years to learn how to be comfortable on camera and to get scripts and to sort of step out of my own shell a bit. And I think that definitely helped me through my sales career and my leadership career. It's relatively easy for me now to speak to a group. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm I'm the same. I've spoken a lot of events now. You know, I run, so one of my businesses is Apps Events. We're a Google partner and we run like 300 plus events a year. I, I don't go to most of them, but, but like I've spoken at so many events now, I don't care. But bizarrely, like doing video, recording video content, I get quite self-conscious about it. Like on stage, I'm fine. And I used to be self-conscious about being on stage, but maybe video is just the next frontier for me. I've just got to get used to kind of presenting like that. You will. And the beauty of video is that uh, you can publish what you want and you can delete what you don't. So yeah. it's, it's a pretty safe way to learn how to get comfortable. Great. Is to keep recording yourself. I say don't practice in front of a mirror. Practice in front of a camera. And then watch it back and you'll see when you scratch your eyes or you're lisping when you're tired or yep. you're touching your neck and you can start removing those. Definitely. Well, look, um, I want to just talk about your events because, you know, the ones I know about, I've got a big conference called Superfast Business Live and I think it's grown steadily over, over 10 years. So I, want, I wonder if we can go back to the beginning. Like when did you first start running events did, did you have a mastermind and started running meetups or how you know what was the kind of a genesis of it because i know events are a big part of your community the genesis was working my online business 
by night and I had a job during the day. And then I quit my job 10 and a half years ago and hopped in the car with the family and we drove up to the Gold Coast to a Warrior Forum meetup. And we were going to present slides for each other, you know, try and help some value. So I created this slide presentation and you'll love this. It was called Traffic and Conversions. <laughs> and um, yeah, pretty general I topic. presented this and people really liked it. Well, this is just a free forum at the time. And went back to Sydney, didn't think much about it. And then a buddy of mine, Andrew Clacy, was speaking on a speaking seminar circuit. And he asked me to come and meet him in town and have a coffee because he's from Albury, Wodonga. It's a fair way from Sydney. And he said, buddy, I've got to go home early. Something's come up. So you take my spot uh, tomorrow. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, you'll be fine. I've told the seminar organizer. He said, you know more about this than I do. Right. So I thought oh, in, in the back of my mind, I had this slide deck already made. So I said, okay. And I got up the next day and I presented and I just had like glazed eyeballs. People just didn't understand a word I said because it was a biz op sort of newbie market event. And I was sort of feeling fairly intermediate by that stage. Yep. One lady bought my program, which was $5,000 or $3,000. And I was pretty encouraged by that. And she said, I don't know what you said. I just feel like I can trust you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, I went back from that and I bumped into another event organizer and I said, oh, you know, I'm speaking now. And he goes, oh, really? He goes, well, if you want to come and speak to my group at a private function we're having, if you go well with that, then I'll put you on stage on the big platform. And I went up to Queensland. I spoke to 30, 30 or so people in his private paid group and they loved it. And he then put me on the platform for a bigger event in the Gold Coast. There was 550 people. And in, that, in the meantime, I went over to um, Mexico and we did some rally driving across the desert with some other entrepreneurs in Yannick Silva's group. Yep. And we had this sort of master mastermind hot seat thing. And my question was, what do I sell at this event? It's a pitch fest sort of event. Yep. We didn't use the word pitch fest back then, but it's an <laughs> event where you make sales. Yep. And of course, I wanted to sell something really valuable and good. And they said, you should do a live event. Just run it a few weeks after the event. So I got up and I sold a $2,000 uh, event. It was going to be in the Gold Coast and it was two weeks after this event. And initially 35 people signed up for it. And then during the rest of the event, as the other speakers got up, there were sort of whispers around and then people kept switching packages at the, at the sales desk, moving from what they'd bought to mine, by the time the sales had been tabulated, I ended up with 78 or so people coming to this event, paying two grand each. It was like my biggest payday ever. Wow. And well, when I say that, of course, promoters don't pay you straight away. Yeah. <laughs> it can take yeah. a while and you only get half. Uh, you know, such are the joys of that style of event, which sure. I, I don't participate in anymore. Anyway. Yeah, I, I actually don't know much about that type of event, but it's, it's really, anyway, carry on, sorry. Oh, I, know, I know all sorts of things about that. <laughs> the, I, I ended up quitting that circuit because I found out some of the other speakers were bordering criminals, you know, like the stuff they were selling was awful. Right. I just wanted to not part of that. Yeah. I could be very confident in my product. So I ran my first event in 2009 
It was called Underground Profit System. It was a, I think, two-day event. And I had a very simple objective. You'll laugh about this. You've got to consider this is 10 years ago. Yeah. My goal was from scratch in two days, I was going to teach someone to research for a product to sell, to join the affiliate program, to buy an appropriate domain, to build a website, point it to a server and publish it. Uh, and so they would have their own website. And my guarantee was if they couldn't do it, I'd build their website for them. Wow. That's, that, 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 that's cool though. That's unusual. I've never seen it. I mean, people, that's, that's actually like real, something real though. I mean, if, if, I don't know. We'll find out later if you pulled it off, but that, that's a, that's a real offer. Everyone said you're absolutely insane. Like people had to bring that laptop. Some people said, can I bring my business partner? And I was so wet behind the ears. I said, oh, okay. Yeah. There was like 119 people in the room or, you know, I had to feed them and everything. I, I thought it'd be good to record it. We lost the audio from day one. Wow. And uh, turned out someone against the rules had actually been using a live scribe pen sitting in the front row and recorded the first day. And he sort of confessed to me about it. And we were able to take that audio and sync it back to the video and make a DVD out of this thing. Wow. Uh, by lunchtime on day two, everyone was able to publish a website. It was amazing. I'd actually got my developer to build a script that you just fill in the blanks and then hit submit and it pushed to a pushed to the server. I, I rented a server and gave everyone a login and 12 months access. And it was, it was pretty smooth. Um, we had like all sorts of Wi-Fi's and ethernet cables and like crazy amount of internet connectivity challenges. This is a decade ago. So it really was quite hard. It, it wasn't as easy just to whack up a Facebook page then because uh, they didn't exist. Yeah. Now, <laughs> there was no of those easy sort of Wix sites and stuff. Yeah. Now, now can I ask, so, how did you get, can I ask how you promoted this? Did you already have an email list? Did you, did you have a community at this time? Or was this like, I'm curious how you got these hundred and odd people to come? I had super fast results was my membership at the time, which yeah. was the precursor to fast web formula, which became super fast business. So my forum is now 10 years old wow. as of last month. And that was found it a different way, but we used the same tool that I used for the event as a forum feature. And then the forum, uh, they kind of joined, I suppose. That was the first event. Yeah. I then started speaking, so I kept selling events. So I sold Underground Profit System 2 and then Underground Profit System 3 and then Business Internet Formula. And then I switched, uh, Business Internet Formula is a new product because I was speaking for a more business crowd. And that was a $4,000 workshop. And all of these were sold through speaking from stage. And I also, and again, this is 10 years ago, I was able to sell tickets to that event via webinar. So I would run a webinar to my own blog audience and I would run paid ads because I was very good at paid traffic back then. I was right. running lots of affiliate offers. So I could actually sell a $4,000 ticket on webinar 10 years ago. And then I switched to fast uh, to fast web formula, and we ran those every year. And then we switched to super fast business live. And I think this event that I'm running next month or in uh, April is I think it's the 14th big event. Wow. That I've run. In the meantime, for my high level group Silver Circle, we ran intensives, which were initially held at my house. They were a $3,000 event. 
only for Silver Circle members, and there would be between three and seven people at these events, and it would be two days at my house. And I lived on five acres, and I had this huge, uh, this amazing room with a billiards table and a fireplace and a, a kitchenette and a coffee machine and yeah. a massive TV and a mantelpiece and a whiteboard, and we'd, we'd run it in there with lounge chairs, and we'd have catering come and do it. And we'd look out on the pool and the, the grounds. It was great. I kind of was inspired by Joe Sugarman. He used to run copywriting conferences in his barn on wow. his farm. And uh, also Perry Marshall used to run bobsled runs, like invite people around to his place. And that was the original version of that. And uh, now I've sort of morphed into a mastermind uh that is occurs in the Maldives. So now each year I rent out a huge boat and it's over a hundred feet long and we live on board for a week and there's 10 entrepreneurs plus me. And we, uh, we snorkel, scuba dive, surf, swim, sunbake, read books. We talk to each other. We do a mastermind session each day before dinner. It's sold out a year in advance. Like we're already into 2020. Uh, for for availability and it's amazing and and I get to combine my all my passions surfing plus business tropical climate and the foods healthy uh, it's a transformational experience that was really seeded from the first resort style event that I ran which was a Hawaii retreat with my podcasting partner Ezra Firestone we had a podcast called think act get yep and the two of us, this was six years ago, uh, we thought we'd rent a house on the, the north shore of Hawaii, on Oahu, right near Pipeline. And we sold three tickets, I think, five grand each or something like that. And we rented out this house and we, we ordered um, freshly made sushi. We had all the meals we, we cooked. We did activities like stand-up paddle. Uh, we we um, broke down their businesses and rebuilt them. And it was fantastic. And then when the guests left, Ezra grabbed a foamy from uh, the garage, chucked it in the back of the car. And we drove down and he paddled out near Pipeline <laughs> and started catching waves. Yeah, we really? You, did you actually go out to Pipeline or was just close? I didn't. We went around to Chun's Reef. Right. And uh, we paddled out him, his wife Carrie and I paddled out chun's reef he said if you fall fall flat like a pancake i said why he goes because there's a razor sharp reef <laughs> don't put your feet down I'm like is this where you bring everyone to learn to surf yeah and that's when i started surfing wow. six years ago and that event was really good and that's why i wanted to do that style of event so if if you look at it now i do my annual live events and i do my annual maldives mastermind are the two main in-person events that i run and then I usually attend uh, a careful selection of other people's events that, uh, you know, where they, I do get a lot of invitations, but I'm, I sort of cherry pick the ones that I really want to do. And they're, they're not the sales type events, they're content sort of events where you really get to teach and have fantastic relationships. So, so many things, I could, so many directions to go now, but finishing on the last- sorry, I've just, I've given you a, the spoils of events, right? I know, exactly. It's like, what are we going to Well, look, first of all, about speaking at other people's events, I'm curious, like, a couple of questions about that. 
you obviously were, were a bit of a natural. You had some acting training and, you know, you were obviously some sales experience from your job. But like someone who's maybe just a real subject matter expert but not a natural speaker, do you think it's possible to really get to speak at other people's events if you're not a natural like you are? Definitely. Uh, I would go and do a course. There's plenty of great speaker trainers. That will give you a lot of confidence. It's a matter of being comfortable with your presentation and, and I would recommend practice. Like even now, if I'm speaking somewhere, I'll open up my keynote and I'll plug one of those remote USBs in, in the hotel room and I'll click through the slides and practice the presentation. Yep. I won't deliver it off the cuff. Um, if I have to, I can. I could talk about anything off the cuff, but that's that's only if I have to. I'd rather prepare and, and that's, like a professional salesperson, they practice. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. I think it's um, it's it's just like you say. Once if if you've over prepared and then you know you can just freestyle it because anything will happen. You might suddenly get a question from the audience you're not expecting, and and the more you know your material, the more you've prepared. You can always just just keep going with it. Well, I just delivered a training just prior to our discussion, uh, and it's on a topic that I've coached now seven people privately and. I've talked about it on one podcast and I just delivered it for my members, but I'm so comfortable with the material now. It's like the eighth time I've addressed it. Yeah. I imagine the next few times I do it, I'll start to get really comfortable with the material. And I, I could probably just do it off the cuff after that, only because I've put in the, the work. Yeah, great. So I want to quickly talk about the, the tropical retreats because it's, it's kind of an interesting trend. I'm seeing a lot of these events now. I know, I know Chris Ducker a few years ago did his, um, I think it was Tropical Think Tank, in, in Cebu. There's a bunch of other people. I was just chatting to Justin Cook from uh, Empire Flippers and they do a retreat in Phuket. They rent a villa out and stuff. And, I, and this kind of, you know, residential small group is, it seems to be a trend, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I think it's partly because people are a lot more mobile. There's a lot of people we both know, like location independent businesses. Uh, and, and maybe it's just because people spend I mean, I think events are just increasing generally because people spend so much time isolated at home working online now that they want to go out and meet people more. I mean, there's an explosion in the number of every type of conference. But, but these meetups, these tropical meetups, I'm seeing a, a lot of these nowadays. I think it is true people are isolated. That's one of the problems I solve with my community yeah. is you don't have to be alone online. And I think the event that you and I met, uh, that that communities people who travel a lot i imagine they hanker for home occasionally yeah I can, I can see why they're popular because it's an intimate event and it's a kind of holiday that you would see on a postcard and it's very aspirational yeah. and i think for some marketers it's easier to justify that it's like you get a fantastic holiday and it's tax deductible yeah <laughs> definitely i think um I'm not sure. You know the island you stayed at in uh, Maldives? Is it? Did it used to be called Louisfushix? I think I've actually stayed there. I think it changed its name after the tsunami. But there was one surfing island we stayed at. There was a few breaks. I remember Sultans was one of them. Lohis was one. Yeah. So we stay on the boat the whole oh, time. On the boat the whole time, we, right? Yeah. We get out of the airport onto the boat and stay on the boat for a week. So we can actually motor to any of the breaks that we want to. We can even go down to the southern atolls if we want. Well. One thing about that is you're in close proximity to the other guests for a whole week. You, you can't just whip off down to a Starbucks or escape. You can have private time in your room or whatever. But what happens is the most deep and connective discussions between the participants because of that closed 
environment. And that's why it's so powerful. Yeah, I, I can definitely, definitely see that. Is it, is it your favorite event? Is this the one you enjoy the most? Yeah, I look forward to it all year. Like literally when the event's finished, I'm thinking about the next year. Yeah. And I, I sort of play a bit of a game. I, I have uh, my surfboards are on a spreadsheet and I start tracking them and comparing them and thinking about which one will win the contest to come on next year's trip. It's <laughs> like a, a knockout contest and uh, put a lot of thought and energy into you know, which ones they'll be and, uh, and I go and test them and practice all year. So it's good to have something to look forward to in the future each year. Fantastic. Whereas the big event that I run in Sydney it's more of a burden than than excitement when I think about that event until I'm at the event. And when I'm at the event and I'm standing there uh, presenting to my tribe, you know, the people who have supported me and are interested in what I have to say and have been there, in some cases they've been there for the whole time, that's a really great feeling of accomplishment and uh, gratitude. Now let's talk about uh, this conference, Superfast Business Live. It's, it's a great way to finish because that's obviously your, your big event. Now, what what kind of numbers do you get for it now? And, and I'm curious, do you, because um, I know your team's in the Philippines and, and you're in Australia, do you have an event organizer who covers the logistics or do you do a lot of it yourself or does the Philippines team do it? Uh, I've just got a checklist. Yeah. And um, my wife and I can just check it every now and then it's it almost does itself it's it's so laid down that like, got to have an event checklist i actually shared this event checklist with a friend of mine and a couple of clients and they gave it to their event planners and they said oh my god this checklist is amazing and they <laughs> use that checklist for their events i want to see it after a decade you you figure out most of the things that that need to happen i think i've even published this uh, certainly i've put training inside my membership but i think i've done a few podcasts about this that are available on super fast business yeah you have I'll, I'll, put, I'll put links to those as well it's not hard to do an event if you have a checklist yes and um, in terms of numbers we've had uh gosh this usually we get around 170 people it seems to be a comfortable number for me and for our audience. We have had 250. Uh, it would rarely drop below 150. I think there's something about that number, anything under, anything around 200, 150 to 200, you can actually meet everyone in a couple of days. And we have, there's something I do on purpose. We have quite long lunch breaks and morning tea breaks. And we also uh, feed people. So they don't have to go anywhere. And on the, on the first night um, for this year, we're having a three-course meal with drinks and entertainment in the same room, so people can really, you know, open up and it's all sort of just walk in. If they can turn up and they have a good attitude, they're going to have a great event because it's all done for them. Definitely. I even give them uh, their workbook and a pen and uh, and a hoodie, like they're clothed, fed, and entertained and educated. And that's what this event's about. So it's not the biggest event in Australia. It's certainly been going for a lot longer than most. And uh, it's super high value. And uh, it's, I guess I'd call it a premium event. It's not the cheapest either, but it's, it's good quality. And people come back year after year, which I love. It's interesting. I, I, do, I run a lot of similar size events, kind of 130 to 180 is my typical 
sweet spot. And you're right, that, that's definitely a great... There's a, there's a number of beyond which it gets hard to meet everyone over, over a two-day event. I think what you said about having the networking dinner right after the event is a great idea because, you know, I, well, first of all, I think anyone listening to this running a conference should always have a networking event, at least get some food or drinks. And I mean, I, I generally, you know, buy, buy the drinks, but it depends on the event. But I, you know, the networking is, it's almost as important, sometimes more important than, than the content. But if, if you do like you did and, and have it straight after the event, it, it's kind of cool because I, if you have it in the evening, you kind of lose half the people often, you know, but if you have it straight after, everyone sticks around and it, it just continues it. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, it's a nice way to, to put in between the two days is um, people can just get in there and focus on being present. And uh, yeah, in the past, we've done a, a, we get a sponsor to provide drinks on the first night. And yeah. Everyone goes down to the bar and we hand out coupons uh, what I have found, a lot of event promoters, especially in Australia where it's a pretty expensive country, they usually don't feed or water their guests. Like yeah. the first event that I went to in America, it was really very hard to get food or drink. You couldn't even buy food. The, the queues were so far out the door. There was 550 people at this event and I remember being starving for a yeah. couple of days and I, I vowed to look after my guests better. Yeah, I mean, I've... For me, it's like almost a no-no. If I see a conference, they're not at least providing lunch and, and coffee and tea and drinks and probably a networking party. You know, I probably wouldn't even go. It just it just doesn't seem like that much fun to have to queue in some crappy, you know, fast food place to get lunch. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, when you go to those very big events, logistics start to to become oh, challenges. Yeah. It took uh, the one I went to last year where there's several thousand attendees. It, it took like an hour and a half just to get a registration ticket. Definitely. Well, especially when you get into like, you know, trade shows, you know, the, the sort of, you know, the, um, the crossover between a conference All and a trade show. All atmosphere is gone then. It's yeah. Just, it's a nightmare. Oh, it's, I mean, I was just, just at an event called BET, which is education technology, a trade show in London. It's kind of the biggest in the world. There's maybe, I'm guessing 30,000 people there, you know, and I'm just like, it's, I mean, there's a huge team that just works year round for, for that one event. You know, it's, it's a, a completely different scale when you get to that kind of thing. Well, even in our market, um, one of the digital marketing companies sold their event um, because it really is a different type of business. So yeah. For me, the event is the glue that binds my community. That's why I do it. I do the Maldives because I get to surf in the Maldives and talk about business, which is what I would do anyway. I actually paid to go on a Maldives surf trip the year before and still talked about business anyway. So I figured I might as well run an event around it. And the one I do in Sydney is because members keep asking for it. I get to mingle and mix uh, my best uh, experts together with each other and with, with the audience and they love it. They just keep wanting to come back. So I guess it's a service. Now, do you also find um, in terms of your Australian event, is it, because you're obviously, a, you're a very good guy in terms of focused funnels. Do you, do you get, you obviously want to keep your existing community members happy, but do you find this is a way to get new people into your community? Maybe if a friend of a member wants to come, they come and they join the community. Definitely. Um, about 50% of the people who buy a ticket are new to, to are not a member of the community and they will be offered access to the community and they purchase that. And about 75% of them will take that and about 65% of them will stay after the, the first period of uh, access. So, it is a very successful way to fill a membership is to have an event front end. Wow. Well, James, that's a great place to finish. Thank you very much for your time. 
Do you have anything particularly you want to plug? Any links? Uh, I'll put a link to your super fast business, etc. But anything else? Gosh, I think th- that's it. I mean, if you're interested in the stuff I talk about, I would definitely look up my book, Work Less, Make More. It'll be on Amazon or Audible. That gets you an indoctrination into a summary of my, my best ideas. Perfect. Thank you so much, James. Thank you. Do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events? Events Frame Event Ticketing has been built to minimize the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket. Result? You sell more tickets. Check out eventsframe.com 